Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the podcast based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guide. This is the ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to episode 65 of Thrive Deeper. I tell you what, it's a bittersweet one for me today, family. It's the last episode on the book of Hebrews. We're going through the final two chapters, chapters 12 and 13 of this, my favorite book of the Bible. Yeah, yeah, I'm out there. I've said it. So we go deep into these final couple of chapters. I know you're going to get a lot out of it. We also, on this week's episode, have something really special to share with you about our sponsor, a prison subscription. Remember last week where I told you I had a letter to read you? We'll keep on listening. You don't want to miss out on that. That's halfway through this episode. But also, we kick off this episode talking about a couple of resources that have really helped us as we've gone through the book of Hebrews. One in particular for me, oh my goodness, this has really, really been life-changing for me and this book. So all that and more on this week's edition of Thrive Deeper. You know what's um, really been a help in my practice, in my spiritual discipline Mm. of reading and consuming the Word of God? Mm. That I think, it's funny, I think for a period of of time we've sort of lost in the church, in the modern era of the church. But it's really been, we've we've sort of discovering it again, I think, en masse, is the apps and the different ways we now can listen to the Bible on the go. Yeah. I think yeah. there's something beautiful about the Bible mm. being spoken out that is different to just reading it on our own. Mm. Yeah. You know, and and there's one particular app that I wanted to give a big shout out, and this is totally unsponsored. They don't know who exists or anything like that. There's an app that I've shown you a few different times called Streetlights. Mm. Uh, Streetlights is a group of people from, I think, Chicago originally, and, and a, another group from Portland. And they've teamed up because as they were out there ministering to people in the streets, urban people in the States, they realised that if they were giving Bibles out to young people, a lot of the young people and even the older ones couldn't read. Mm. So what they did is they started in, in the, they came from a culture of hip hop and rap. So they would do like spoken word versions of the scriptures, put them to beats, different, you know, producers yeah. making different things and handing out that. Now it's all available online mm. um, and I'll put right. links to it yeah. and everything like that. In fact, right now, their version of Hebrews, the reading of Hebrews, has really helped me going through it again in a fresh way. Mm. So right now, let's have a bit of a listen to some examples of streetlights in the book of Hebrews here on Thrive Deeper. Hebrews 9, old rules about worship. That first covenant between God and Israel had regulations for worship and a place of worship here on earth. There were two rooms in that tabernacle. In the first room were a lampstand, a table, and sacred loaves of bread on the table. This room was called the holy place. Then there was a curtain, and behind the curtain was the second room, called the most holy place. In that room were a gold incense altar and a wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant, which was covered with gold on all sides. This is an illustration pointing to the present times. For the gifts and sacrifices that the priests offer are not able to cleanse the consciences of the people who bring them. 
for that old system deals only with food and drink and various cleansing ceremonies, physical regulations that were in effect only until a better system could be established. Christ is the perfect sacrifice. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the Hebrews 11, great examples of faith. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Hebrews 12, God's discipline proves his love. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. And that's uh, Street Lights. Uh, with uh, the awesome. book of Hebrews, they have done most of the New Testament, yeah, if great. not all. And it's all available out there. You can support them. You can listen yeah. to it for free on your streaming apps. But I really recommend, especially books like this, that might be a bit hard to read through, yeah. a bit dense. Hearing it read yeah. can sometimes lead you through it a bit better. I think we should give another plug, too, to The Bible Project. Oh. Just a really great resource. Yes. Uh, just great summations of books, big picture yeah. explanations. They do a great. The they do a great job of this book of Hebrews. Yeah. Yeah. You know, laying it out very simply. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes yeah. as well. Some great resources mm. out there. Now, Matt, we are pressed for time today on the day of this recording. So we want to fly through these final two chapters in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 12 and 13. We've just finished off the writer of Hebrews mm. telling us about the, uh, you know, the examples of faith. Mm. And then we move into chapter 12. That's right, where he says that, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance. Notice how he keeps coming back. This is, this is like a sermon where he's, he is the one 
it's like he has this one exhortation, don't fall back, don't fall away, keep yeah. holding on, keep yeah. persevering. He just keeps coming back to this. And in, in chapter 12, he gets much stronger with this. In a sense, in chapter 12, he's basically saying to them, listen, man up. Yeah. Like, really. He, and because it, it actually says down in verse 12, therefore strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Oh. I mean, this yes. is like hard. I, You know, I think the writer has probably been through some heavy stuff, yeah. okay? And, well, at least he's seen because, of course, Paul and Timothy and, and, and a lot of this community of leaders went through some really heavy stuff. And he says to them uh, in verse 4, he says, in your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. So he's saying, what are you, what are you going on about? <laughs> like, you've not, you haven't given up that life of yours yeah, yet, buddy. That's yeah. right. And you haven't, you know, you haven't given, like, and this is in the light of the fact that, you know, like Paul and uh, Silas were scourged, you know, and, and so... Um, he's saying, "Listen, you guys, you, you need to. You just need to man up a bit here because uh, actually, it's going to get worse than this, and you need to develop some perseverance. If you fall away with this much persecution, you know what's going to happen when there's even more. So, uh, where, where the way that he says that, I think indicates that there's probably more. You haven't yet to the point of shedding blood. Yeah. Um, so, and then it's interesting. He says here." Um, uh, he talks about in in verse seven. He says, "Endure hardship as discipline," yeah. and and this is this is an interesting topic because when you think about persecution, what does he mean? What does he mean when he sees persecution, like people coming and doing terrible things to Christians as God's discipline? What does that mean? Like, is God doing this to His people? Mm. He, well, he doesn't. He, he doesn't mean that. He's. Um, it's not. There's not a sense that you know when bad people do bad things and persecute believers, it's those bad people that are doing it, not God, right? However, clearly, God allows these situations of persecution to occur. God allows people to make sacrifices for their faith. And the example here that he sets up right at the beginning of the chapter yeah. is Jesus. Yeah. Jesus is our champion. Yeah. He perfects our faith. He's our example. Yeah. He went through this going to the cross. That's right. We keep our eyes on him. So when the same types of things happen to us, we stay strong. We That's keep right. going. Yeah. So he says, and, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Uh, for the joy set before him, him he endured the cross, mm. scorning its shame, because it's suffering and it's actually shame. These people are being shamed. Uh, that That is an issue here. And sat down at the right hand of God. So, yes, absolutely. He's putting Jesus forth as the example and reminding them, I think, too, that Jesus said that, that disciples will be like their master, that you can expect uh, persecution also. So discipline in the sense that there's this refining of their faith that occurs through through uh, persecution. Now, have I got it right here? The quote that he uses in 5 and 6, that comes from the book of Proverbs where he says, you know, my child, you know, uh, for the Lord disciplines those yeah, he loves and he right. punishes yeah. each one as he accepts as his yep. child. Yep. That's from Proverbs. So he's bringing this Jewish way of thinking, this proverbial way of thinking and yep. saying this is a truth, this is a wisdom yep. that we know, this is flesh out. And it's really quite jarring for us who live, dare I say it, in a modern, modern 
coddled, you know, cotton wool world that we live in, when we think of our relationship with Jesus and some of the altar calls that we hear for people to accept Jesus, we don't often hear saying, come forward, come down the aisle and be prepared for God's discipline because that's going to prove to you that he loves you. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's actually Psalm 94. Oh, it's a Psalm 94. Is, uh, yeah, the Lord disciplines those he loves. Um, uh, okay, where am I getting There may be a from? proverb to that effect as well. Oh, yeah, I've got another reference here to Proverbs. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you for the Lord corrects those he loves yeah, just okay. as a father a couple, corrects a yeah, child. Right, yeah, yeah, there's a couple of yeah. uh, things in view there. Uh, needless to say, it's quite a... Um, well, it's an overarching it's principle. An overarching principle. Yeah, yeah. but why it don't is we hard talk- to, It is. It is hard. I, I find even talking about it because I'm just aware that we have this enormous privilege, and it's you know it is a privilege that we don't have this kind of opposition that we still are able to, you know, worship God and and um, express our faith, faith freely. Now that that may not always be the case, and I think uh, we have to be prepared for the fact that indications are if you look at, you know, we look at the book of Revelation and other uh, parts of scripture that talk about this polarisation effect as we move into the future, that uh, that the, the, the heat may get turned up and, and we need to be prepared for that. And so I feel perhaps that we're a little soft in, in some ways and I always find that thought a little um, unsettling in a good sort of a way. Hang on, you find the thought that we're soft or the find the thought of God's discipline being part of God's God's calling for us as children? Um, yeah, Both? Well, I find it all, yeah. <laughs> the, the possibility that that we that this may we not may not always have this yeah. uh this privilege of being able to exercise our faith freely. Um but also also the fact that you know we live in this kind of comfortable situation it's like oh man like uh, we, our faith doesn't really get tested, does it? No. You know, not 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 like this. And no. so, it's. I, I find it difficult when I read these books where he's being really hard on these people, like really quite hard on them. Like strengthen your feeble knees. Mm. And these people are facing what I would consider to be really tough opposition. Right. I. So do I have feeble knees? Like, yeah. that my knee must be. I must be. There must be an element of feebleness. That's what I find unsettling, and and I but I I embrace that you know and and what I do in response is to embrace where because God is calling us all to have faith and this is what we learn in chapter eleven yes. in some measure at some point. Okay, this really comes out of chapter eleven. Now I'm not being asked to exercise faith in the face of severe physical persecution, but I am being asked to exercise faith in parts of my life. Mm. So if I don't respond to what God is asking of me in terms of how I need to show faith now, how am I ever going to face the greater challenges up ahead? I love it. So I think I think the answer is to engage with the ways in which God is calling us to show faith now. You know, mm. what ways? Uh, I would th- I would put the challenge out there. What ways are you being? In what ways are you exercising faith? Mm. Where in your life are you needing to express faith? Because what ho- happens inevitably is that we spurn circumstances that require faith from us. Oh, I never want to be in a circumstance where I don't know where the money's coming from, or you know, yeah. And, and we actually spurn those circumstances, mm. but maybe you know. 
maybe God's okay with us being in those sorts of circumstances where, where we don't know how the bills are going to pay, where we don't know what our what our employment's going to be, where we don't know where things are going to go in the near future. Yeah. God's obviously okay with yeah. us being in a situation that requires faith from us. Yeah. Because yeah. if it's the case with people under severe persecution, yep. how much more with us? And I think a great way to, you know, if you stop and ask the Spirit to show you or reveal to it what points He's wanting to do, it's the points in your life that you complain most bitterly about. It's yes, those things yeah. in life that keep you up at night. When your head hits the pillow yeah. and you start playing out scenarios how you are justified and how they are wrong, that's the places where God is saying, yeah. I'm working in that. That's right. That's where yeah. I want you right now to exercise yeah. faith in me, not in the circumstance. And into those situations, you know, I've, I have heard these words when I'm thinking, oh, where is the money? God, why aren't you, you know, why don't we have money in the bank to pay the bills? I could hear these words that strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. <laughs> it's just like I can, those words just resonate, make level paths for your feet. Like, wow. come on, exercise your faith, persevere. Wow. Um, it's, uh, it really is poignant. Even though we don't face the same circumstances, there's a poignancy to these words. But there's also, I love the fact there's a good pastor. He's hard and he's yeah. factual, but he says, like in verse 11, but afterward there will be a peaceful harvest of right yeah. living for those who've been trained in this way. Yeah. It's all for a yeah. reason. You know, you, you you won't fall, you'll become strong. And then he gets into the second half of chapter 12, which talks about this call to listen to God and, you know, this beautiful uh, example of what it means that, you know, once you've been through this discipline, once you've exercised yeah. this faith, you know, what it means to live, live like faith. What does it mean for our practical day-to-day? And the thing that I love about it is it's so simple. Yeah. It's so practical. Yeah. It's peaceful living. It's these practical it's these yeah. real practical things. He doesn't say you're going to be soaring through the air, you know, doing crazy yeah. things all over the place. It's this simple life that he calls us to at the end yeah. which I just oh it moves me so yeah, deeply. Make every effort to live uh, in peace with everyone and be holy. Without holiness no one will see the Lord. You know that he's saying you've been set apart. It's their set apartness that they're struggling with. Actually, mm. it's like oh, I don't want to be set apart. We're going to go back and not be set apart. Well, um, you know that's uh, he. And, and again, there he warns them from verse uh, fourteen. There's yet another warning. Yep. He comes back to that. Then there's this beautiful comparison oh. with the mountain that the Israelites came oh. to and the mountain that we come to. You know, the Israelites when they came to Mount Sinai in Exodus nineteen. That, that you know there was there was lightning and thunder and God said if you even touch this mountain even if a beast touches this mountain it, it will die you know and so they trembled in fear at the at at this mountain and then he says in verse twenty two but you have come to Mount Zion to the city of the living God to the heavenly Jerusalem mm. you have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly oh. so in in contrast to the Israelites who are trembling with fear at Mount Sinai to the mountain that we've come to he's saying you've joining at the mountain with angels in joyful assembly. Mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting there's because again there's a comparison here. So he wants them to have this kind of godly fear oh. that is this regard yes. for God. But there's a joy in this as well. Yeah. It's not it's not we're not cringing at the foot of a mount, mountain because remember he's saying again and again we come with confidence yes. with boldness uh, because of what Jesus Christ has done. Mm. So if you read the book of Hebrews and you come away thinking, oh, I feel 
less secure in my faith. Well, you haven't got the message to, yes. the, to the book of Hebrews. Yeah. All you need to do is hold on to Jesus. Even mm-hmm. if you have a tiny bit of faith like Rahab, you know, think about Rahab mm-hmm. in that, that, who is commended for a faith. Then you are at this mountain. You are at the heavenly Mount Sinai with a host of angels worshipping joyfully. That's good news from from Hebrews. And I, I love that bit where he, he finishes off that passage about in the centre there uh, talking about the comparison of these two mountains, these patterns again, and he finishes it off by saying, "We, you have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between yeah. God and people and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness. And now he goes right back to the very beginning back of time. Yep. Instead, that the joy... Jesus' blood speaks of forgiveness. Remember that Abel's blood, cry, you know, like crying out for vengeance. Yeah, that's right. This is a different thing. This yeah. is a different whole thing and it changes yeah. everything. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, man, it's powerful stuff. Yeah, and then again we finish that chapter with yet another warning. Um, and uh, this is, uh, he talks about, and these really get ramped up, you know, there's going to be a shaking of the earth, you know, so that only what is unshakable remains. It's a beautiful picture there uh, at the end uh, of the chapter. G'day family, DJ here, and I want to let you know a little bit more detail about what I first told you about last week. On the last edition of Thrive, we told you about the Sponsor a Prison subscription. Now, what does that mean? Let me tell you. Here at Thrive, we currently provide over 3,000 copies of each edition of Thrive, the booklets, into our prisons. Now, these prisons are both for men and for women, for both uh, here in Australia and New Zealand, both for adults and and also for the juvenile correctional centres. Now, we do this through our prison chaplain network, and uh, it's really, really amazing work. The, the, the demand for the Thrive booklets in the prisons are great. And this is a fantastic way for you to partner with us to bring the light of God's word into this dark place. We got some feedback from just one of the recipients of Thrive through this sponsorship program. And I told you last week, I wanted to read her note from her. Now, this is a, of course, it's anonymous. And she's written to us from a uh, women's correctional center. And she said, I spent nearly two years at such and such women's correctional center awaiting a trial on fraud charges. I began reading Thrive pretty much as soon as I got there. So as a 52-year-old middle-class white woman with no previous criminal record, prison was a terrifying place. Reading Thrive and my Bible, of course, brought me to the feet of Jesus, where I finally surrendered to him. And life has never been the same since that day. It's still a roller coaster, but now that I know the Lord, I know that no matter what it looks like, he will always work all things together for my good. Always. 
That's just one of the letters that we receive from people in prison. So please partner with us. It's just $16 per year for you to supply four copies of each and every Thrive booklet into prisons. All you have to do is visit thrivetoday.net.au. That's our home on the web, thrivetoday.net.au, and click on the Sponsor a Prison Subscription. That's what you're looking for. It's really simple. Do it today. Now back to Hebrews in this Thrive Deeper. You're back with Thrive Deeper. We are in the very last chapter of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13. We're finishing off this episode with this. And uh, this is the wrap up. This is the concluding mm. remarks. This is wrapping it all together. And we get some, pra- pra- you know, really practical things here. Very, am I right to say, Matt, that this part of here, this sort of, to me, leans very heavily in it being authored or somehow connected with Paul because Paul isn't mentioned. We've got a lot of our other friends mentioned. Timothy's mentioned and other stuff like yeah. that. It sort of leans a little bit to like this is Paul's got a hand in this somewhere. Yeah, but remember, um, remember that there, this is there's a common community, a common language, yes. a common worldview. So th- th- it's natural that it would sound like Paul. I think um, the scholarly consensus is generally that it's not. Uh, yeah. Paul that's writing it, but there's there's a Pauline flavour to yeah. this, and that's natural because it's a close knit community. He at the end of this chapter thirteen, he mentions Timothy, our brother Timothy. Yeah. So this is clearly uh, written within that apostolic circle. Yeah. You know, whether it's Apollos or someone like that, so it's like that. That's how close uh, they are. Yeah. So we'll work we'll work through the topics of um, of the chapter. So the first uh, three verses talk about. Uh, basically love being expressed through hospitality and care. Um, It says showing hospitality, very important um, expression of of brotherhood. Hmm. Uh, When when fellow Christians come in, you know, look after them, right? We need need all the looking after we can get in this uh, community or, or whoever, I think it goes beyond that. And we, we also get that crazy example of, you know, okay, show hospitality to those who are coming because remember, yeah, might be an angel and you don't know that yeah. it's an angel. It's Thereby like by some have entertained angels unawares. It's like, what? Who? What? <laughs> well, uh, Genesis 18. Yes, exactly. Abraham, uh, the, the angels came uh, to, to Abraham. So yeah. he's, he's talking about Abraham there. Yeah. Um, but does it, is there any, I mean, I've heard a lot of uh, wild and woolly sermons on this one that there's somehow it happening today that angels are coming and, you know, knocking on our doors looking for, you know, uh, entertainment in one way or something and we can turn them away. Is is that just, is that poetry or is are you, is it actual, you know? No, no, I, I mean, I think the writer is allowing for that yeah. not just to have happened. Yes. But that this is, he's allowing for the fact that this happens. Yeah. So... I will leave that there. What? But the important point there is, I think, without realising it. I yeah, think there's a lot yeah. of people who are like, oh, I gave $2 to a bum and then he disappeared mm. and then I was an angel. And it's like, well, I don't know if you're going to realise that it was an angel. Mm. Okay, yeah. sorry, moving on. Yeah, <laughs> you're back. moving right along. You really want to go there. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no, let's not go rabbit trail. We're going to get okay. through this. Um, uh, of course, those who are in prison for persecution, he mentions about remembering those who are in prison. Like you've got to look after these, uh, these people. There's a sense of solidarity here. Yes. 
Uh, a lot of this is communally focused. It's like hospitality, uh, looking after those in prison, like keep that community connection yes. uh, by all means. And included in this is marriage. Yep. Uh, marriage split-ups are going to rent, rend the community uh, apart. So yep. um, The sacredness and importance right. of marriage. So he talks about the importance of the marriage relationship as being really the, you know, family is the basic building blocks of the yeah. covenant community, Old and New Testament. And, and so that needs to be held in high honour among all because there's this closeness to this community. So there's a lot of uh, opportunity here for temptation and for things to go wrong. Mm-hmm. And so he's saying you really need to watch out uh, for this. And specifically about adultery as well. Yeah, that's right. In yeah. this close-knit yeah. community. He then moves into one of the most practical things that we all stumble on. Yeah, keep your life free from love of money, he oh. says, and be content with what you have. Um, you know, again, really important for uh, for community life because uh, one of the things we learn in Acts is the importance of giving, mm. um, that the problem here with the love of money is that that's going to affect the effectiveness of the church yes. uh, because um, the expectation here is that these people are going to share with each other. Mm. So don't be a lover of money and hoard money to yourself. Um, make sure that you're, you're sharing. So keep your love free from the love of money. Um, so this is all very much about he's writing to the this, these are church-bound letters, yes. you know. Yes. So he's writing to church, and this then goes. And as you can imagine, then one of the most important things is leadership. And he says, at verse seven: Remember your leaders who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the out, uh, the outcome of their way of life, and imitate their faith. Mm. Um, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So. Uh, and, and together with this in verse 9, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. So the leaders are there to guard the the teaching of the church because there's so much possibility. You know, there are all of these um, philosophical schools going around. They're traveling teachers. Mm. There, This is a, a, a sort of a, a vegetable soup of different religions here in this culture. Mm. So the, the leaders there are really there to guard, keep the church together. Um, to guard the unity of the church, but also to guard the teaching of the church to make sure that the truth is preserved. Now, I think that is true, obviously, then when it was written. Yeah. But my goodness, oh, it's enormously true today. Yeah. With in the, in the world of the internet, in the world yeah. of YouTube, yeah, in the world of book publishing being open to anyone, the new idea that's going to break through your Christian life is coming out every week. There's another yeah. breakthrough. Yeah. There's another holy, you know, revelation coming out every week. Yeah, and, that's right. And sometimes it's like, no, no, you got to remember this message of Jesus Christ and what faith is, as he's just portrayed, yeah. is the same yesterday, today and forever. Yeah. There's not new about this. Yeah, that's right. It was interesting. I mean, my daughter uh, said to me once, oh, you know, I, I watched because I, I was reading a part of scripture and she remembered and somehow she'd seen something on YouTube or, oh, this guy said about this, this and this. And I said, and it was something really dodgy. And I said, oh, Dala, I don't know about that. She said, Dad, as if, to, you know, what would you know? Yeah. Um, Dad, he's on, like, he's he on was YouTube. on YouTube. <laughs> the said, highest authority there is, Dad. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so. <laughs> but no, no, that's the same for the church today. Yeah. I mean, you you hold the, you hold an incredible weight on your shoulders mm. and, and a platform as a teaching pastor and as an author and even as, as a singer songwriter mm. with God's word. I, in my tiny little way with this podcast and what I do in my life group mm. and my radio show, 
I feel a tremendous weight on yeah. my shoulders to go, don't get sucked into the new, just stick to the yeah. stick to the good basic truth that you know, that that, that message that's gonna keep people going is Jesus Christ the yeah. the same. That's right. Uh, and and that is that's the key it, it, right in the middle of that exhortation is Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and forever. Mm. So this this isn't this isn't something that changes or you've, we've got to, there's something to preserve here. It's not about the latest ideas. It's about and there's certainly there's uh, an opening of insight and and into what God's word says. Uh, but this is really important, and of course, you know, it's the, the function of this podcast even is about helping people get grounded in the word of truth. Yeah, that's what this is all about. It's and that's a very important function of spiritual leadership. Um, he he then deals with the, this sense of them being outsiders. This is a big problem for them because they've become here are these Jewish believers coming from a community that previously has been very tight knit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're really going to struggle with being outcasts. Partly why he says, well, you guys need to stick together, right? Because you're all, yes, you're outcasts, but at least be outcasts together, you know. <laughs> um, and he says here, you know, we have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. So the point is he's saying you have been excluded as Christians. The Jews have excluded you from the altar, from the yeah. temple. You know, yeah. you've been excluded. But but they are actually excluded from something even better by, by not believing in Jesus, not that Jesus is pushing them away because, of course, they have the opportunity too. But he's saying, yes, you are excluded from that altar, yeah. but you actually have a far better altar, right, uh, That from which they at the moment are excluded. Yes, that's yes. the point. Yes. You know, okay, so yes. actually gotcha. they're the ones that are excluded, not you. That's his argument here. And again, using Jesus as the ultimate example there, saying remember that Jesus was excluded. Yeah, he was excluded. Sent out from That's the city, right. killed out there. So let's let's remember that yeah. we live out, out there here, as well. Outside yeah. the camp. And then he goes on to say, for here we have uh, no lasting city, but we seek a city that is to come, right? So mm. outside the city walls, you know, it's like, oh, I'm outside the city. Uh, well, no, but we have a better city. Yeah. Just remember that. You know, we've got something better. Don't. This is again part of this exhortation. Stop looking back yeah. at things that were just types, right? Uh, of of things to come. Let's look at the realities and the things that are coming. So um, uh, he then goes back in verse seventeen to an exhortation to obey leaders, submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. Um, I, lo- I love verse eighteen. You got to mention verse eighteen. Pray for us. Yeah. Pray for our conscience is clear and we want to live honourably in everything we do. Yeah, because, of course, uh, How simple. The, the writer of Hebrews is is one of the leaders. How uh, simple is that, yeah. though? What a beautiful calling. What a yeah. wonderful way to sum up yeah. what the Christian walk is about. Yeah. Especially in light of everything that he's talked about with the sacrifices, not clearing your conscience. Yeah. Now with Jesus, we can live in this clear conscience. We've got to be obedient to him. Yeah. Be, be everything that he's called us to be. I love that verse. I think that says something really profound actually about the nature of apostolic leadership because yes. he's writing to church, to le- he's writing to churches. This mm. is going to get so, um, circulated amongst churches um, as many of the letters did. And so there are leaders in those churches, but the writer of this uh, epistle to the Hebrews has this apostolic role, right? And so... Even in that high apostolic role, he says, look, pray for us, uh, uh, for, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honourably in all things. But he's still saying, but pray for us, yeah. you know. Yeah. And 
um, and there's a sense of we we need you guys. We need you guys. We're not. It's not just you needing us. Mm. We need you as well. This is what this community is about. It's beautiful. Um, and and we come finally to the end uh, of the letter, and um, and we have the the benediction and final greetings. These letters always have these, and that's where, of course, Timothy is mentioned there uh, at the end. And the benediction is a beautiful benediction. Now may the Lord God of peace, who brought you again from the dead, sorry, let's start again. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and he's talking about the shepherding, but he's the ultimate shepherd, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. It's a beautiful benediction that picks up the main themes of the book of Hebrews. This is the book of Hebrews overall, and I've been thinking about this because I'm going to um, preach on this this Sunday and thinking about how I'm going to deal with this book. This is actually, it's a difficult book to preach through consecutively, like I sort of say, well, today I'm just going to preach on the first two chapters or the first, cha-, you know, that because the argument is in the whole book. Yeah. It's one very cohesive argument. So you can't, it's very difficult. And sum up the argument for the, for those who might have missed it, the yeah, argument yeah, yeah. is? So, so the argument is that in Christ we have the ultimate fulfilment of all of the symbols of the Old Testament, right? Mm. Uh, so we must go forward and not backwards. Mm. And we need to hold on and value what we have as being so much greater than what came before. And particularly to a Jewish, Jewish audience, that's important. So he makes that argument... Uh, throughout this book in a number of different ways. And it's a cumulative argument. He's actually going through, he talks about, as, as we said, talks about greater than angels, greater than Moses. He talks about uh, that we, we look for a greater rest, you know, a heavenly city, the eternal priesthood, yeah. you know, the, the great high priest. He's going through all of these arguments and they all belong together. Um, so the, the book, I would recommend reading the whole book through yep. and then get a, get a feel for it and then go back to the details yeah. because the message is in the whole argument. Mm. Um, I, I have in my uh, – I, I take the text in the, the program that I use. I can take the text and put it into a, another format and I can block, you know, red sections where the exhortations are throughout this text yeah. and they are with – almost mathematical regularity throughout this, you know. So this is a very pastoral letter. It's rich theologically, but it's enormously practical and really all teaching ultimately isn't just that we would know things, but so that we would be connected with something real and it would make a difference in our lives. Told you it's bittersweet. I need that clean hanky to wipe the tears off my cheeks as I watch the book of Hebrews, you know, vanish in the rear vision mirror as we drive on through the New Testament. Even though I'm sad to see Hebrews go, man, we've got James, 1st, 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. We're going to stay in the New Testament for a while, so I'm excited about that. Now, like I said, make sure you check out our show notes over at thrivetoday.net.au. You'll find links to the Streetlights Bible app 
and how you can find it on all your streaming music platforms. That's the Streetlights Bible and also the Bible Project. Some fantastic uh, videos, podcasts and all sorts of resources from the team in Portland, Oregon. Also, don't forget you want to sponsor a prison subscription. Head over to thrivetoday.net.au and look for sponsor a prison subscription. We'll see you next week on Thrive Deeper. Thanks for listening to another episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew and DJ would love to hear your questions and comments about what you are reading in God's Word and in Thrive. The easiest way to do that is to head over to thrivetoday.net.au. Thrive Deeper is on Facebook. Just search and like Thrive Today page for all our latest news. Until next week, our prayer is that this podcast will inspire you to read God's Word and thrive.